Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, listeners of Missing Mora Murray. I'm Tim Polari, and I'm here with Lance Reinsterna. Hey, listeners, how are you? We are bringing you an episode from our Creators Commentary series that we're doing exclusively for Stitcher Premium. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Stitcher Premium at stitcherpremium.com and use code MMM for a free month. And right now we have 40 episodes of our Creators Commentary up there on the feed at Stitcher Premium, and that is why the corresponding episodes are pulled down off of Apple Podcasts. And we're choosing this episode, episode 16. This was the episode that we went to Lincoln, New Hampshire, and we received some less than slightly veiled threats against our life. And we have 40 more to do, so by the end of this project, we're going to have at least 80 commentary tracks on Stitcher Premium. So check it out there, stitcherpremium.com, and use code MMM. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the creator commentary tracks for Missing Maura Murray. I am Tim. Joined here today, as always, by Lancey Pants. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Good. Lancey Grace is probably more appropriate. The E stands for Ezekiel. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Or Ebenezer during the holiday season. Right. Lance E, capital E, period, Pants. Yes. Pants. I thought it was Esquire. I always thought. No, no, no. It's Lance E. Pants Esquire, the third. (laughs) Because okay. Esquire goes at the end, so yeah, I don't know why I would have thought I was remembering. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah. Wormtown, Crawl Space Studios. And I'm really excited about this episode, Lance. This is episode 16. This You're is really to the um, a turning point. point. Yeah. yeah, an absolute turning point for us during the run of this podcast. It, Welcome uh, back to the Missing Mora Murray podcast. It was... Lance. A lot went into the decision to do but, what we did um, in this episode. I know, I know we've said it before that we had a crazy week, but seriously, you're explaining this was it right here. Crazy. It was because of that crazy week that we were up in Lincoln. This show and sure, sure, it's been uh, it's been it's been nuts. Oh, shut up, week. God. So I, I do know that we so were advised by Texas we Crew. We told the Texas Crew production company about these threats. And we were like, you know, as kind of like a way, like, come on, guys, like, hurry up. Let's get let's get something going. Here. Yeah, let's get the let's get the, the production going. And we yeah. needed to get people to the coordinates because we weren't able to do it. I remember being on a conference call with them. I was walking around the parking lot of the job that I worked at at the time and just you know walking around just thinking, like, they're just not taking it seriously enough because they really didn't seem like they were. No, they, and they definitely the didn't. They they uh, were were like, you know, I don't think you guys should broadcast this because it um, might encourage more of it. That could have been part of their reason. Actually, it probably was part of their reason, but I think they wanted to save some drama for themselves. That was definitely probably more of the reason. Which is fine. Yeah, yeah, they're TV producers. What, what do you uh, want? Um, you know, getting a threat is definitely something that they are going to want to cover, and they did, and it ended up still being a big part of the show. Um, right. But I think we decided to do it. We did it, I think, was more for 
um, like this was about the same I don't want to say our safety, but I think that is the de- that is what came into the decision went into the decision to do it it was like uh we could just pretend this never happened but yeah you're saying the decision to even do this episode yeah 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 release and talk about these threats that we got and i think it it really came down to you know if we didn't talk about it maybe this guy keeps sending us stuff that was creeping us out or if we talk about it you know, at yeah, least we can kind of expose what's happening behind the scenes. I remember and maybe scare him in some way. Yeah, I, I felt that it was acting more like a diffusing mechanism. Like if we came out and talked about it, then it would be so obvious if anything happened that right. it would it would be this person or you know talk about these threats because exactly. if you if you don't then the person will listen and think that they're getting away with it right and not right. just that person in particular anybody yep so i felt like it was a good practice to go on and and fight them with the only thing that we had to defuse the situation mm-hmm. And this was also our first contact with the New Hampshire State Police cold case unit we uh, sent them some of these emails uh, and they were just like, if you feel threatened, go to your local police. And that's pretty much the response you'll get uh, when when you get a, a threat online, unfortunately. Right. You're talking well, about especially the, an anonymous one. And the cold case unit. Yeah, New Hampshire State Police cold case unit. Yeah. What are they going to do? Exactly. Yeah. The physical stuff he has in his hands. I don't care what he says online to get a rise out of people. That's not even close to what we what talked about here? when we were with him. We had a great day. We went with Johnson stole your cap. to the accident Oh, my water bottle cap. Yeah, Sorry. Some Gross. Really interesting stuff there. <laughs> we also um, met up with Tim Westman. Tim Westman. Oh, that's yeah. Right. The, oh, the very static. Uh, the the infamous an, interview with Tim Westman. Yeah, this is really a loaded episode. Yeah. Um, it's only 45 minutes. So she is really. Yeah, we had a lot of. Witness. We hit a lot of things. I mean, the Tim, the Tim Westman interview probably isn't more than five minutes. So we speak with Tim a little bit. We're gonna and most of this was recorded from up north in Lincoln at the Roadway Inn. To set this clip up, yeah, is that after we dropped John? It is a riveting off, episode. It tur- it certainly is a turning point. Yeah, we went and if we were to divide the, the in series into, and I'm sorry, if we were to divide all the episodes into series, this would probably be the end of ep- yeah, right. uh, series I mean, we were all season go, one. Right? Ep- yeah, we season one. Seasons. That's what I'm trying to say. God damn it. I'm all caught up in the story here. (laughs) If we were to divide all of the episodes into seasons, this would be the end of season one. That's definitely, uh, I I definitely agree there. And again, I think we talked about this in the last episode, but this was the moment, or this this was the end of our weekly run of Missing Maura Murray. Uh, We did 16 straight weeks of an episode, with an episode. Uh, and then, and then we took, I think, a, a little bit of a break a in between this and the next and episode because it, it was a little too some, hot. Wisely, wisely yeah. so. I think even if this didn't happen in Lincoln, we probably needed the break anyway. Yeah. Oh, I think that's definitely right. Very curious. It was a picture of a heads-up penny from 1982. Oh, here we go. Here's where the threats start. Disposable coffee lid. And the significance of that is just that it's Abraham Lincoln, and we were going to the city of Lincoln, New Hampshire. For now some people would be like, oh, you're reading right. it. And we, which we were, but it was intent. It, this wasn't an accidental picture of a penny. It, right. it was it a picture of someone did this on purpose. Murray, they sent a picture of the penny with, with Maura's you know, birthday was the year on it. Was, born. So on the that pen. was Maura right. born in 82 so or 83? 
I think it was I have 83. I feeling that someone may be monitoring our emails. I think we got the we might have gotten the date wrong. Um but maybe the penny I uh, we just said it said 82. But I think Maura was born in 83. Talking about and I'm not sure we got... She was born in 82. She was? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty creepy. And the timing of uh, the emails that we got that really freaked us out were even more freaky. I guess... With, let, and let's that person had responded on Twitter to us and said... Saturday I was. I didn't mean any. Was it in Twitter that yeah. the person responded and said I didn't mean anything by it? I just thought it was a interesting coincidence that I found a penny with Moore's birthday on it the day that you guys decided to go. Yeah, that it further confused us because we thought for sure this person was doing it to freak us out. The person runs a death pool, a celebrity death pool. Uh, you know, or at least had had at one point, which is just kind of a weird and kind of a I don't know if it's that creepy, but it's kind of a weird thing to do, kind of a morbid thing to do. Yeah, it was a creepy thing to do based on the person's handle and what they were indicating in the first place. And then these were this is a song that came through uh, email. So Miles Wainwright Miles started Wainwright. emailing us, and we kind of thought it was probably the same person. We still don't know. 100% if it was. I think Have we, we said Miles Wainwright before? Is yeah. this the first time we've said Miles Wainwright? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that was the person's name, Miles Wainwright. I wrote back, great song. Cold? We uh, thought it was Cold and Holefield. Yep. I called him, actually, on my way home from Lincoln that day and left him a message, and then he called me back, and I spoke to him later that night. He said it wasn't him. Another podcaster? Yeah. Somebody who we talked to. What, you think it's him? No, no. I mean, even if it was him, he wasn't going to say it. Wavelength, like, as far as it was, you know, like, sense of humor and... Uh, He's a big catcher in the rye fan. Yeah, uh, as yeah. you can tell by his name. And to be honest, mm-hmm. when you had said that this was cold, I really like. It didn't strike me as cold at all. Uh, right. The other yeah. thing about cold is he is anonymous, so it makes you wonder why. And he posts in his blog a bunch of YouTube. Not anonymous videos, anymore. I assumed it was him. Michael Dudick. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's on uh, Twitter now. So then this person as wrote himself. back, "You're barking up the wrong tree with your suspicions of Fred. He nothing wrong. He sorry. Let me." Get the grammatical errors correct. He'd nothing to do with it. He knows nothing. That's it. And this was on October 11th. And then I wrote back to him again. I think what creeped us out is the person was you speaking so Fred Murray had like, something confident about what happened tomorrow. Angles and can't do that without talking about Fred. I don't believe Fred had I'm trying to think of the right word that backs up what you're saying. They were speaking very confident about uh, what happened to Mora, knowingly. Knowingly, um, but even even like what the sense think? I got Why from reading the emails, it just ga- it, they never specifically he said, back. "Hey, I'm watching you," or "I'm aware of what uh, you're actually, doing and where you're at, where you're at." But I just got a sense of them knowing specifics that. I think morning. only we thought we knew. Well, when they say something like Fred, Fred isn't guilty. He knows nothing. You know, like it's it's saying just like that that they're sure. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying Fred by any means. I'm just saying that that was the tone. They said a lot of things. Miles wrote a lot of things about like uh, how yeah, and then he started talking about a killing moon, and it was dark that night, and things like that. So I get what I'm saying is. We didn't necessarily know that this wasn't the killer, if there was a killer. You know what I mean? 
See, that's what I was talking yeah. about, what yeah. you just said. And then he wrote back. Mm, I was speaking mm, more of like. About 45 minutes later. Hold on. Yeah, definitely a full moon that weekend, but not on that Monday. And we're it's a very specific the there. The but I was speaking of more immediate to, yeah. specificity. Sure. And then he wrote back again like, I at, felt uh, when we were reading later. it that this person an was hour, in Lincoln. And it was just a sense that I had. And that of Morris, I'd suggest that you be mindful how you tread into this thing. There are reasons why no one has been able to crack this case. Morris' victimology is apparent. So spending too much time on her before her murder is kind of a waste of time. She was a victim of quote-unquote opportunity. And I'd ask that you respect Fred and her family, both of whom had nothing to do with this and know she isn't alive. So be careful not to agonize them any more than they've already been. Which is a... Interesting way to put it. A good message, actually. Anybody. It sounds like a John yeah. Smith message. <laughs> I've just never heard anybody say it like that. Shut up. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Uh, it's pretty weird, weird email, obviously. I wrote him back. Um, so why don't you go to the cops then if you know what happened to Mora? Miles Wainwright, while we were with Wolfman. Oh, I guess we did back. mention Miles Wainwright's name. <laughs> while we were with John Smith. I have that email coming in at 1226. That means we were with John Smith already. We had no. just we had just gone to his house. Yeah, no, we had like that. within a few minutes of that email coming through, one way or another, we had either just picked him up or we were just about to pick him up. It could have given him time to hit send and then meet us okay, on his well, It could have, and that is why I'm saying it uh, because we've talked about this, and a lot of people have messaged us and said it was probably John because later, after we dropped John off, is when more emails came through. So I don't know, but that was the only one that came in that was close enough to either we were with him or not you know we were with him what did we do today lance we we went to the accident site we went yeah to well Morris i mean site. first we went to his place and mm-hmm. he was waiting for us outside mm-hmm. he uh my drunk yeah, was yes yes <laughs> was, was standing there He's, yes so you were waiting for it outside yeah all day uh, yeah. Yes. Well, well we had to. We got pretty. Question. We got. We tied one on that. We needed to yeah, take the, the old edge off. The, uh, yeah. So this part was recorded from New Hampshire. If anybody stops and they start talking to us, like that's fine. There's a guy with a gun. That <laughs> I feel totally, totally comfortable right now. Yeah. So when we and got we, out of the yeah, car at the crash site that day, we were like unpacking the camera from the trunk and whatnot. We heard a bunch of gunshots coming from the woods. Uh, hunters, apparently. Well, there's the firing range right down the street. There's that, too. Um, but I think it was coming from the woods straight ahead. But I'm not really sure. It sounded like it. Actually, I guess I wouldn't know. But Yeah, it's hard to place it when, yeah. I mean... We live in an area that you don't commonly hear gunfire, so. Yeah. But, but it, we are in Worcester. But, <laughs> but my point is it just kind of set the tone. Yeah. Like you get out of the car and you start hearing gunshots. This than we do. People on the ground zero, basically, in this area. So this is us in the car talking to John driving to the crash site. Uh, and, and we start this podcast about this, and we're... Uh, and this documentary. And, you know, obviously you guys, you don't know our intentions, um, you, you are probably not going to be receptive to an interview with us for what reason? Um, and it's like, like, you know, when we were asking people for interviews and everything, it's, it, it kind of, it, I failed to realize that why would, why would they do interviews with us? Why would they trust us? I've been sitting at my house because that's pretty much what I do now. In the early days, I was on the road all the time. And like I say, you know, I have so many 
places that I've been, so many notes of every place that I've been, interviews that I've done. And now it got to the point where it was just like it was it was fruitless going out because there was nothing really to gain. You know, there was nobody to interview. There was no one, no new places to go and look. So I started most of my research from doing a lot more research online as well as, like you said before, kind of... Transitioning um, to the armchair on the uh, version of the citizen detective, to, right? To say stuff. And then, like I said, in some instances, people gave themselves up. And yeah, he didn't away. give a time frame on you when know, that happened, right? He's just been... He said that he was... In the early days, he was out and about and on the road a lot, and then it transitioned to him researching online. A very, very unhealthy thing that happened right there. It, I'd be interested to find out when that transition occurred and when he turned into when he turned into like trolling and did he realize he was trolling when he started trolling people and less investigating now when you say trolling what do you mean like what he was doing with us in the beginning just like these taunts here and there and uh, innuendos and not specific not not specific requests to to talk it's it was mysterious one-liners here and there on Twitter. Yeah, cryptic. There's just no way that, you know, it happened. So, you know, that is the kind of stuff that I've been dealing with for the past 11 years, pretty much, because people come onto the scene pretty quick and took on... He does have a blog, and he did, I think, at this point. I think he started it shortly before uh, we started all this, or maybe after. I'm I'm not really sure, but... I never went out I think that he does bring some value, I think, with that. You know, like uh, these kind of trollish comments, as you're saying, on Twitter or topics or Reddit or whatnot are kind of valueless. But a blog on the case where your information is all in one place, coordinated, you know, there's some value there. He's never going to stop saying it, so, and I won't. So that's John Smith and uh, me and Lance in the car going over to the accident site. You know what I would like to say about it is that um, is that this guy adapted from being a uh, like, you know, lace up the bootstraps. And See, now I'm, I feel totally different. <laughs> this is the beauty of the creator commentary. I feel totally different about this because he's such a genuine guy when you meet like him. Right, but like, he's. You got know, this we're, we're underlying reality of people. his we're personality, gonna, which is know, very vicious and, and and petty, and you don't—it doesn't come out when you meet him. Like, this is he he just seems had he like seems weathered and genuine. The, the so shit. in just, Old Lance uh, was giving, or I guess I don't think he was online. Past Lance, because now you're Old Lance. Right, there's a difference between being current Lance, old Lance, and past Lance. So, fucking damaged Lance now. So, past Lance was making the opposite point that current Lance was just making. That's exactly correct. Yeah, like like you were saying that you're giving him credit for making the transition into an online forum. And I was, yeah, I was also providing him an excuse for being sort of beaten down and weathered. There was nothing more to do when he would go out on the road and and now he also stomp through the woods and pick ticks off of his body and interview people. He just beat the pavement to the point where it was worn down and, and there was nothing left. So all he had left was 
21 this years. online presence yeah, and online investigation. A, a little, uh, That's what I was getting at back then. Base, okay, but in retrospect, a, uh, all of these like weird that things that, or not weird, so but sort of suspect things that would come up that I think I dismissed in my mind back then. The fact that he didn't know about the dilapidated house on Old Peter's Road. Front bumper of the car. He never saw it. Which yeah, is I weird to me. But I remember thinking that, like you, you've been here many times and you never walked down that road. Yeah, never well, looked over the house. Like we found that by accident. Right. Well, I mean, it's pretty natural if you're kind of doing boots on the ground investigating that you would so walk up Old Peter's Road. Yeah. We're talking more. It's right there. It's right there. It's not hidden at all. And again, we've said over and over that if Mora ran into the woods, it's almost, I would say, almost definite that she went up that road. And almost definite that she would have gone into that house. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, I think if she wanted a place to hang out for a short period of time. I don't think it was abandoned yet. Because. Well, due to the all the, the uh, magazines. The papers and the magazines. Yeah, yeah. There was a magazine that. Had, they, they all. They were years saved, I believe, of magazines, and it ended March 2004. Tim West. So they were at least there mowing his lawn at that point. John Smith was outside. Or somebody was there. Um, yeah. We were demonstrating, you know, we were shooting outside. That is a bizarre house. I Sometimes I just don't like thinking about it because it's so weird. He broke Bless out. you. Late Thank October. You. <laughs> you, might as well, you might as well manicure your lawn. <laughs> also, so the fact that John never like, went yeah, to UMass just once. You know, just once in the, over a decade. Um, and I don't think he did. But I wonder how long he hasn't had transportation. I don't know. Faith Westman from going from her house. Actually, I should say coming back from the weather. I guess I just assumed forever. That was what was she doing? <laughs> well, when was he? Because I was fucking around with the audio. Yeah. When was he um, sort of I, diagnosed I with that condition? He has? I don't recall. She walked out of she, out of her, her house, house to the weather barn. Did she go inside the weather barn? I think so. What's it? An antique shop or something like that? I'm pretty sure it's. Oh like yeah. Oh yeah. So Faith like walks yeah. right across the there street. Were, there were a few cars in the lot. <laughs> oh yeah, and goes uh, into the weather barn. This is when we were there. Yeah, when we were there. Right before we approached Tim Westman. Actually, I kind of missed her. She walked right past, and really, you know, she she knew I was there, trying to kind of, you know, with holding the camera, walking towards her, and she scurried in, closed the door. I rang the doorbell. She did not answer it, except oh, yeah. uh, that at that point, her husband Tim Westman. Stopped his riding mower right uh, in front of the door, and uh, and that's when me and uh, John Smith started talking with Tim. That was funny because this was a... I I was really really go. really tangled up. Oh, what um, an asshole! With I the cables. Tangled up I'm not audio even talking cord. like metaphorically. Shut I was up. really tangled up with the audio cables. You are tangled, and I saw you guys walk over, <laughs> and I was really pissed. Because this I actually is kind of a funny story. In and I everything started said, happening before I, yeah. I had a chance to like get everything ready. So yeah, that stuff minutes. happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just an opportunity that couldn't be. We, we couldn't there. wait, basically. Yeah. yeah. We, we missed the chance with fate. Yeah. Um, by not being there a, a few seconds. And this is what we before. Yeah. Tim gives us a little bit, and we apologize. The audio isn't all that great. There's a lot of wind going on. So uh, just bear with us. Again, like you said, it was a very well, spontaneous interview, so we were not prepared to mic. We, we didn't mic Tim up. I understand. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, how are you? My name's Tim. Yeah, I was just looking at your blog, I think. Oh, really? Oh, um, no, I... Oh, yes, yeah, we do the podcast, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're trying to find out what happened to Mora. I know a lot, I know a lot of people have bugged you about it in the past and, uh, tried to find out themselves and at this point, you know, it's 11 and a half years later, who knows if, if it's ever going to happen. 
But um, yeah, we're we're trying our hardest to uh, find out what happened. Would you uh, want to talk to us at all? No, talk to too many people already. Yeah. I haven't got anything different to say. Yeah. Whatever you heard. <laughs> yeah, some of it isn't true. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of it isn't true. Um, can I ask one one question about about um, what you and your wife saw that night? Um, was there? I know that her first report was that there was a person smoking a, a, in the passenger seat, a man. Do you remember that? Uh, we saw a glow in the passenger seat. It was only ever one person. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Good. That clears. That helps. That helps us for sure clear up a lot. Cause the only thing I'll tell you is the ribbons on the wrong. Tree. We know that. Oh, it's on the and wrong we, tree. We, we've always. That was the tree that we were told from the beginning that police told us that she hit, and we've and we've often wondered why. Her was her car further down, Tim? Oh yeah, it was. There was a group of three there. Just. Oh really? So the 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 next three passed the blue ribbon. Yeah, but there's one and then there's three together. Yep. She hit. She headed towards those. Okay. She came around this corner. Oh really? That car didn't hit the tree. It no, it didn't, Tim. Well, you we could, here. What's that? You I might not have been here, but. She did a complete U-turn. She smashed into the tree and ended up facing this way. Well, sure. well, she Look, might have spun out on the corner, but accident reconstructionists well, know that she didn't okay. hit the tree. Time to leave because I was here. And you oh, were I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, we're not trying <laughs> to get there. Time to leave. argue with you, sir, at all. Okay, I don't want to argue with you, sir, at all. I, I'm just saying the accident reconstructionist said that they didn't hit a tree. So I, wanna, I don't want to argue with you, but here's my argument. But here we go. No what do you mean there was no snowbank? It was perfect. A little bit of snow. The road was completely clear there. But there was no snowbank on the side of the road? There might have been a, you know, a foot. A you can't bit. hit a foot. That damage would have, that that snowbank would have caused that lower part of that car to be broken all to pieces, and it didn't do that. So, and I like, can't tell, all I can tell you what I heard. Yeah, and, you know, and I like I say, yeah, and that's why I'm that's why, that's why I'm putting in your mind the fact that accident reconstructionist people are people yeah, who look well, at the car. I don't care about them; they weren't here either. <laughs> no, but when somebody looks at the damage to a car right. and they can see, they know that it wasn't I'm something some that big that here. caused the damage. You see what I'm saying? That's that's my argument. I, and like I say, it's, you you can argue all you want. Were you here ten years ago? I was here eleven and a half years ago, sir. Whatever. Yeah, I was here eleven and a half years ago. From from day one, I've been on this case. So. Okay. And, and I saw the car right after it hit the tree, or excuse me, after they said that it hit the tree, and from the day one, it was at Lavoie's. And I well, to, well uh, I can tell you is there was a scar on the tree and it disappeared and heard the noise. She actually accelerated. She accelerated before she hit the tree, and that you know, why would why would she accelerate? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Guess. Did you hear other cars come by after that? Sure. She probably hopped in one of those, you think? Anything's possible. Yeah. I suppose you've spoken to the school bus driver before you moved? Yeah, I, t I interviewed Butch twice. I talked to your wife face twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, they put him through the ringer for no good reason. Yeah. Well, you know, in a case like this, I mean, everyone has to be 
looked at and asked questions when, especially he was a witness. So when you look at it that way, he was the last person in theory to see her other than your your wife saying that she was still at the car and drove away. So that's something that has to be done. That's police work. So, you know, whether they put him through the ringer or not, I don't know. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a cop and I, I don't know what they did put him through, but I know that he moved away, whether that was because of all that they put him through no, or just the fact that he wanted to go someplace no, warmer. he was here five years before he moved. That wasn't right. So, so you know, again, which I, you was know, there I, another five years before he moved to, to Florida. With anybody. We're just trying to solve just about the same the time period that Rick Forsey moved out of his help place. Help the Murray family get some closure, and and you know, again, like you said, so we right, don't we're talking want, 2009. We don't yep. want anyone to be, you know, scrutinized. Okay. So you've got your first problem because I'm telling you to hit the Well, and and. The only reason that I'm arguing with you about that yeah, well, is because of what I understand what why you're arguing. Who, I'm just saying. I thought they weren't arguing. <laughs> Good for Tim Westman. Yeah, John's Tim got Westman. a John's got a bullying him here. Yeah. Tim Westman's like I was here. Yeah. Damage from the car when the car hit it. Oh, I didn't hear you. I thought you said star. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. You sure. Yeah. And very good. <laughs> well, I thought no, there was a really star on the tree. Very, very <laughs> nice. Thank you very much for talking to us. And we know you've been through a lot, and we're not here to harass you, sir. We just <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Me too. And I'm just probably the stupidest thing I've ever said on the show. What I knew on my side, so very blonde kind of moment there <laughs> by Tim. No offense to blonde. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Thank you. Back, back. You don't think there is ever going to be a solution? That's true. If she did get in a vehicle, she, she, huh? they could have driven her to California. She could be in a, you know, in oh, a ditch in California. I'm not saying she's dead. Or she could be dead. She could be alive. And that's true. Yeah. You know, and we don't know that. Oh, I hope so. so thank you very much, Mr. Yeah. Westman. Thank you. We appreciate you your help. You've got to be pretty clever these days to disappear like that. Yeah, I know. absolutely. It's not, you know, it's it's not, not, easy, it's not easy like it used to be. No. <laughs> So, yeah, that was interesting. I was taking some notes here. What do you got for notes? Well, he knew immediately. Uh, I forgot um, so if, if there was an introduction before the audio started recording, but did he know? Speaking he knew immediately who you were. Yeah, he said, yeah, I've been, I was looking at your blog. And, and then, he, he, then he said podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he said, uh, I thought it was interesting that he said, yep, after you said you've been bugged yeah, a lot by and, this. And yeah. he was like, yep. Um, then he, uh, it's so funny to me that the a lot of the people who we talk to about this will say, I'm not talking to anybody, whatever you heard, some is it true. And then they continue to talk. <laughs> that, that is the thing. They don't walk away. Right. For the I most mean, part. That's, they tell you that, like, uh, you know, I don't know, in tra- when, yeah, when you get some kind of training about, thing, you know, questioning people who don't really want to talk if they... Doesn't matter what they say, yes or no. If they stand there and keep talking, that's actually your answer. Yeah, like he didn't walk away. Yeah, exactly. You, he said he didn't want to talk, and you said, "Well, can you just answer one question?" And then he goes on, right? But uh, okay, so there's a glow, and only ever one person. Yeah, interesting. Yep, only ever one person, and he said that he hit uh, that Mora hit the group of three trees, which is if you're looking at the crash site. It's a little bit to the left of where the tree with the ribbon is. So it's 
more towards Forcier. That's right. More towards uh, the Butch's Butch. house. Yeah. But not by a lot. No. By, by like maybe 10 feet or so. Something like that. 10, yeah. 15 feet. I'd even say maybe 20 feet if we're pushing it. Yeah, and actually when looking at the crash, and I don't want to get into a whole thing, but in looking at the crash and the way she spun out, it was a little hard to believe that she actually hit those trees that were 10 or 20 feet further left because of the curve being, you know, back back the other side yeah right yeah yeah so i don't know and he did say there was a scar not star on the trees on the tree okay um, i never saw that we've talked about that with john i think maybe even on the air like that there maybe still would be a scar on that tree hard to tell so, so hard to tell yeah but also hard to tell like any trees on that area like on that corner, uh, there's probably the plow trucks that go by, rocks kick up, hit trees. The plow could touch a tree and put a scar there. You know, it'd be hard to tell for us right now to look at a tree in all these years and, and say that that's the scar from Moore's car. You know what I mean? They also cut down some of those trees. I'm not sure if they cut down the uh, the one recently. that she hit. Yeah, recently. recently yeah. yeah. But I was saying, even if we were, even back then, if we were to look at one of those trees and there was some scarring on it, it would have been, like, 11 years later, it would have been almost impossible to say that that's definitely from Morris car. Well, we ain't tree doctors. We ain't tree doctors, nor are we accident reconstruction specialists who John Smith referenced looked at the car. That is, we know, false. That's, we were told by the accident reconstruction specialist, if he's talking about Guy Parody, he's definitely never, talking about Guy never looked at the car. Yeah. So there's something that's brand new. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... I'm more prone to believe Tim Westman than Guy Parody as at this point about yeah. about the car hitting a tree. Now, now I'm I'm kind of back into thinking it probably did hit a tree. I I wouldn't be surprised if it came around that corner, hit the snowbank, caused the damage on the the front of the car. Uh, she she overcorrected and hit the accelerator to maybe take the corner or something, or maybe she accidentally hit the gas instead of the brake mm-hmm. and. She could. There's two scenarios that were going through my head when he was talking about her car accelerating. Perhaps she got hung up into in the little snowbank on the side and then hit the accelerator to try to get out, get further hung up, and maybe that's when she hit hit one of the trees. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But there's many things that could have happened instead of John just saying that didn't happen. She didn't accelerate. Like there's also a little ditch there too, so I think that could have impacted the dent on the car in some way. I'm not sure how, but. Potentially, it dipped down a little bit and then maybe hit the other side of that bank and then hit the tree. You know what I mean? Yeah. All I know is that accidents happen really in a really weird way sometimes. Yeah. And also, one thing I don't think we've ever said is maybe what what if the car spun more than just the 180 degrees? What if it spun, what is it, 500 degrees or? 360. 360 and then another 180. Like four. Whatever. Yeah. Do this and, math and right <laughs> that's why that's why I tried to breeze past it, um, and then ended up that way. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe that's the reason why it was a little further down the road. That I could see. I don't know. I think what what John is trying to push is that the accident didn't happen there, and she probably hit somebody else. He's trying to put. Yeah, he's trying to push something more mysterious. Right. And Tim is basically standing there saying, like, you, you weren't here. I'm just telling you what I know, and yeah. that's what I know. It is interesting to me, and I don't know if we've talked about this too much, but when he said that they put Butch through the ringer, it just occurred to me, how would he know that if he didn't talk to Butch? I wonder how much all those neighbors spoke. 
Butch, Rick, Tim, like, when did it get to the point where they all started talking about this? Yeah. And saying, wow, they're putting me through the ringer here. I think that is interesting now that you said uh, how many of them are talking about this stuff. It's clear from the beginning of that interview with Tim Westman that they follow the case still. Um, so they might be aware that Butch was put through the ringer from reading some stuff online, but I'm sure they probably talked to him too, and I'm sure yeah. he's like, ugh. You know, and that's I, probably... I lie detector test. Yeah, 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 yeah. Butch had to take two lie detector tests. Yeah. I, I, won, I don't think he necessarily meant the police put Butch through the ringer. I think he meant the people. I think he meant the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, right. the whole thing. Butch has been put through the ringer. Yeah. Also, did... Did John... Say that. To say we will not be going on the hike tomorrow. Oh, uh, okay. I think I'm wasted here. Did not here. <laughs> past land. Yeah. Did John actually see the car at Lavoie's? Because he said that's he what he said. The... I don't recall that. How long was the car at Lavoie's before they took oh, it out? Mailed. I don't know. Yeah. That came through. Oh, and don't forget about the penny that we got. And the penny yeah, I'm not sure if that is true. Uh, now that I think about it, yeah. There was a. Uh, we were. Because uh, I don't even think he got involved until like a couple months later. From someone named. Yeah. So the car uh, probably wouldn't Boneyard. have been on the voice. Boneyard, oh, yeah, Boneyard yeah. who operates the death pool. Right. I think their ha- their handle is death pool. He said, I saw the car. And Tim uh, said, it was yeah, where was the car? Shot of a penny and he goes, it was the, at Lavoie's. Uh, Interesting. We've also heard uh, someone speculate that he had a Freudian slip in there because he did say, he was like, I, uh, I saw the car hit the tree after the accident. Or I saw the car uh, right after it hit the tree. Right after, yeah, right after it <laughs> yeah. hit the tree. And there was a blogger out there who uh, who speculated that that was a Freudian slip and that John actually is the killer. And I think that was way too much uh, drama for us to buy even for a second. But today, I totally believe it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just a, just a misspeak. So now we're we're back in the hotel room in Lincoln. I'm sorry, motel room in Lincoln. Hammond. Yeah, he sent us the email, and then that happened. And then after that, we uh, had a great day with um, John Smith. And then once we got back, we had the uh, the email from Miles Wainwright. Yeah. Oh, which read. Oh, Tommy okay. Conrad was thinking about saying something before he was basically assassinated in front of his mother to send a message to everyone in the area to mind your own goddamn business. Clearly not a threat. Yeah, right. Yeah. You wrote back, is that a threat? He wrote back, oh, definitely not. I appreciate the work you guys are doing. Have you talked with Tommy's family? Sort of a Don't even know who there. Tommy is. Called him out on it nope. being a and threat. And then you wrote that back to him, right? Yep. Nope. Don't know. Don't know who Tommy is. Who are you? He said, I'm not trying to give you boys a hard time. I know your heart is in the right place. Truly. This is where it kind of sounds like John Smith. You said. Well, it sounded like a threat. It would make us feel much better if we knew who you were. So, who are you? Well, obviously he doesn't say. And then he goes on to saying, uh, you know, don't worry. I'm not a threat to you or anyone else. Trust me. Like, why would we trust you, buddy? Right. You just threatened us. Don't you have people that devoted years to this investigation? That Renner dude and that former Littleton cop? 
Ask them about ask them about Tom Conrad. Also, why it's striking me more like John Smith now Tommy by not saying his name there. Yeah, that Renner Google, dude, and that former cleanly, Littleton cop. You mean the guy with the most like memorable name? <laughs> right, that, that didn't work with the Littleton police very long, like a couple of years. Dude, if you know something, yeah. why don't you go to the cold case? Yeah, unit? that's or, interesting. Or, you want to talk to us so bad? Calling you out right here, John Smith. <laughs> Are you Miles Wainwright? No, it was you. What freaked us out even more, actually, that night was that we received a couple of phone calls to our hotel rooms phone rang and nobody was there we asked the front desk the next morning they said that they didn't call maybe your friend did well we didn't call each other someone called the phone calls came in probably at about i'm i'm i didn't look at the time but i think it was and these about phone calls came in too. to our room and kind of creepy the phone rang maybe three or four times i said about six o'clock in the morning to answer i it, think it was a little bit stopped. earlier hmm. when we woke up in the morning it I wasn't like totally light out from the man who was going to take us on the hunt yeah, yeah. we still can't figure out that he had this phone, phone situation in the morning because and that was the first text message that was the first communication we asked the people at the front desk did, did someone call and ask to be put through and he answered and said no nobody on the other line and he went down to the front this is the desk guide who we brought along. if anybody had called him and they said no maybe your friends in the uh in 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 their room called you and and he texted me and, and asked me that i said no and he said i got this call and i told him no we got the we got a call too so i don't know if we're like looking into it a little bit too much but both of us got an anonymous phone call both rooms got an anonymous phone call the morning of the uh the planned hike to me, that says that someone either knew what rooms we were in, in the roadway inn, or someone called every single room at the roadway inn to freak us out. I mean, unless I'm completely off base and uh, and this was just random, again, like you said, you know, another coincidence. But how do you, how do you measure randomness? You know, are so they going to call every call every motel? Uh, phone, just like hotel phone? Is there, and the other part is there even a, is, is a way to, for an outside line to just dial straight to a room? They have no idea what I don't even think so. Inside the rooms, and they just want to freak the call is coming from inside the, the hotel. As far as I know. We we all know what we're talking about here. Like yeah. our, both of our rooms had a weird phone call. And I didn't tell Rick about our phone call. It's interesting until he told me to think about maybe there is an experiment we can do some morning at like five o'clock. Because what I'm thinking is if you were to call that motel and there was nobody at the front desk, let's say it was too early, maybe there's an automated system that says just dial the room number as an extension. Yeah. We cannot deliver to you in a way where it's or if someone was there entertainment purposes maybe they just were, well no it would have been the same person is, working when we all got up a few hours it's, later it's most an likely open investigation i don't think there's an overnight 
And it's real life to everybody. Uh, yeah, it's, it's real life to us. There's it's usually the some family. manager in the back no. of, of these motels. Everybody. Like, there's always someone yeah, we do manning the ship. You might have to ring not, a bell. Maybe not at the roadway. But not at the yeah, every roadside hotel. Us. We can't force anything out. And shit starts to get a little scary. And it might not right, well, be the next Well, uh, the next time we do this. When you're in your own home. Maybe and, maybe we'll you know, do this experiment, you go outside and then we'll report back. Maybe not the next episode because that might be in about ten minutes. Street, <laughs> but when maybe 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 tomorrow or, or next week when we do, do yeah, some more episodes. Sounds fun. These tweets and these emails. There's only two and a half minutes left on this one. Uh, this one flew by. A lot going on in this one. Also, one thing that I don't think we've ever said that uh, we actually were hanging out that night at the crash site. Uh, with some we friends of John, uh, one of them the claims to be psychic, I mean, and uh, and Smith. so uh, and uh, my only reason to bring this up is that it was we that it maybe made, like spooked us out a little bit more. I don't know. Anytime you're you're talking or dealing with someone who's psychic, talking about someone who died or some mystery like that, you just puts you in a mood where you're ready to be freaked out. Like we do. Everyone's it's like following dusk at the crash site. No, it was site, dark. Yeah, it was yeah, totally they dark. All have to know that there's no end to this right now. It was the only time it, no I've been there at, at night, point. actually. So we can't wrap things up nicely. This isn't this isn't a, oh, a pre-scripted wrap it up. series. Well, I guess it's what still I'm saying has some merit. And we're learning, and we're experiencing everything right along with everybody else. All right, so thank you for listening to the Missing Moramari podcast. And uh, we are postponing the East Boston meetup on November 7th. We are going to do it, just not there and not at that time or date. We are going to increase security and make you verify your identity before you get the address. And it's really about making sure that everybody has a good time. Because what we really wanted to do was bring in the people who does take on a completely are passionate about field. the case. This episode? And thoughtful, yeah. yeah. And we can have a good discussion. I just want to say that everything is kind of hot right now, and we want to do it when things aren't so hot. And with that said, please follow us on Twitter at MissingMoral. Wake up, Tim. We both sound beat. beat. Yeah. We both sound like we just want to like, check out for a little bit. Yeah, so we finished this episode on Halloween 2015 and uploaded it on that same day. Uh, I do remember listening to it that night, falling asleep with my headphones in my ears. Email address that is very readily available. Very happy with this episode. Yeah, it's a great episode. Any information about the whereabouts of Mora, go to your local authorities, go to the cold case unit. We honestly cannot do anything legally to help you. Okay. Wow. But if you want to send us something now, you know, you can trust us. I'm going to give our P.O. Box address. You can make it out to Crawl Space Media, 22 Front Street, F O R. F I keep doing this. F R F R O N T. What did you say? F O R. Oh. Uh 22 Front Street, Worcester, Massachusetts, PO Box 230. Do not put Wormtown instead of Worcester because they'll just send that they'll to They'll send the... it right to the worm. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with episode 17 soon.